If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. If you want to turn there with us, the Gospel of Luke, we're in chapter number 8, uh, and we'll, we'll share a few verses there. We have been in our uh, E3 series of messages, uh, just kind of that I titled that, the words exalt, equip, evangelize, and we are all the way down to the end uh, at the evangelize part. We have one more message, I believe, unless the Lord changes it, uh, to wrap this series up. Uh, before we move on to things that are coming in our homecoming. Just to kind of put a plug in for what's at homecoming, Brother Ken Lynch from Yazoo City, Mississippi, from Parkview Church of God, uh, which is, by the way, Brother John and Sister Peggy's son, uh, will be here uh, for us on Saturday night, which is November the 10th, and then, I think that's right, and then Sunday the 11th. I believe those days are right. Now, on that Saturday night, uh, you guys need to remember there's going to be a, uh, we'll have a little bit of a concert here. There's a gospel group, not really, I can't say gospel group, they're country, uh, country gospel. Uh, they're going to be here in cowboy hats and boots. They're liable to ride horses in. I mean, these guys are country. They're from Texas, and they just love the Lord. You'll enjoy them. That'll be at sa- on Saturday night, okay, at 7 o'clock. So come and be here. Then Brother Ken will preach for us that night, and then uh, he'll preach again for us on Sunday morning. And then after our services, our homecoming services that Sunday morning, we'll have our big Thanksgiving feast back in the fellowship hall, and we want you to come. Invite some friends to come and be with us. You'll enjoy it. There they are. Look at them. There they are right up there. Brother Ken is the one over there that looks like a preacher. That's him. I didn't know if y'all could tell the difference between the branded group or the Brother Ken. But Ken is an awesome guy. Brother Ken is one of the pastors that was called out of the, the church originally that Brother John was pastoring, the Grabalt Road Church over here on Grabalt Road. About eight pastors have come out of that church, myself included, Brother John included, maybe ten pastors, I can't remember. But Ken is one of those pastors as well. And uh, the last time that he was here was when we dedicated this building when we first moved into it. So he's, not, he's never preached here before uh, since, that, since that dedication. But we're looking forward to him coming. So please spread the word, come and be with us for our homecoming. All right, so let's jump right into it. We have been talking about uh, what evangelize our world means, what the, the E, the third E in this E3 series is all about. Just the other day, uh, if you guys remember, after the message that we shared with you last Sunday, I talked to you about sowing seed, and we went into Matthew 13, and we uh, talked about the, the parable of the sower and the four soils, and how that all the soils, they do different things, and uh, and, and how that... Uh, whenever, whenever a plant grows that matures, how that it naturally just produces fruit. There's nothing uh, that that can stop it from doing that as long as it has the good the good soil and the good nutrients that it needs. Well, just the other day, uh, Brother Frank and I were out here working in, in the pavilion, and there's a great big oak tree that sits out there, and we were underneath that oak tree, and we was doing some work, and stuff just kept falling on the ground. There were acorns falling all over the place. And you remember the, the, little, the little analogy that I gave you in that message last Sunday? I said an oak tree is going to drop acorns, and it can't help itself. There's just nothing. It just can't help. The wind blows, and if the acorns are ready to fall, it falls, and it scatters its seed everywhere, doesn't it? And if you walk out there now and look on the sidewalk, those acorns are everywhere out there. It's just that time of year. Whenever the season comes for a plant to produce its fruit, that plant cannot help but produce fruit. It naturally does its thing. It can't help it. The oak tree can't help it. And you know what else the Bible tells us? That Christians produce fruit. If you read the book of Galatians, it tells you about the fruit of the Spirit. It t- is that right or Ephesians? I'm, I'm, I'm messing up. What is it? 
Ephesians 5, 22, that's where it's at, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Where you at, Brother John? Give them to me. He's, he's always got the Scriptures. He's just... Galatians 4, 24. No, Ephesians 5, Galatians 5, 22. I had it right, didn't I? I had it right. All right. Let's rewind that video and we'll, we'll get it right the first time. But anyway, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance, faith, which is self-control. You know, the temperance, self-control. So you have all these things. So whenever you're a Christian, you've been planted in the good soil. That, that seed grows up, and it begins to produce fruit. There's just nothing that you can do about it. Because you're a Christian, that's what happens. Now, this parable of the sower and the seed, it happens in three of the Gospels. You can find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John doesn't record it, but I want to go to the book of Luke and read it to you there because Luke kind of has a condensed version of this, of this parable. Not that, I, not that he has any less of information to share with you. It's still good. I just want you to hear it from another man's perspective. So, beginning of verse number 5 in Luke chapter Eight, okay, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. What is the path? What do we call it in Louisiana? A turn row. That's right, turn rows, where it's hard. The Bible says it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. In other words, they didn't have a root system that went down very far. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Luke has written this condensed version of the parable, but all the details uh, they're, they're not there as much as they are in the book of Matthew and Mark. You can go over and do all that. I'll let you uh, go and figure out, uh, you know, and read it if you want to and compare it. But Jesus tells us about the sower. He tells us about the seed. He tells us about the soil. But one thing that is very important to understand is that Jesus never describes the sower. He doesn't tell us that this sower is a certain person. He doesn't tell us what this person looks like. He doesn't tell us if the sower is supposed to be a man or if it's a woman. There's no directive as to which political party they're supposed to vow allegiance to, although we think that they should. And it doesn't tell us uh, how, how educated this person's supposed to be, how many degrees are behind their, uh, in, their, in their resume, or how many letters there are behind their names. Therefore, it could be argued that Jesus' concern with this entire story is not the sower. He's not concerned about who the sower is. I shared with you last week that the sower doesn't make the difference. The sower can be out there, a grown man, a farmer, who has been farming for years and years and years, and he could have a seed bag on his side, and he could reach in and grab seed and sow that seed in a technique, in a way that he has trained all of his life for, but yet he could have a little boy, three, four years old, reach into that same bag and try to sow seed, but that little boy is not going to be able to sow the seed the way his daddy did, right? He doesn't have the talent or the ability. But if that seed that that little boy has, if he just dropped it right at his feet, and the soil beneath his feet has been tilled and plowed, and it is good soil, will that seed grow in the ground where it lands? Yes, it will. So Jesus isn't concerned about the sower. Also, if you look at the Scriptures, he goes on. He, we also notice that Jesus doesn't go into much detail about the seed. 
We don't know what kind of seed it was, but does it matter? It doesn't matter what kind of ground, I mean, what kind of seed or what kind of crop the sower's trying to plant. It makes no difference. The results remain the same if it's corn, if it's wheat, barley. It doesn't matter if it's fruit trees. The seed being planted is what Jesus is talking about. Any seed has to be sown before it can yield a harvest. No matter what crop is being planted, the seed for that crop must leave the farmer's hand and it must land upon good soil, right? That's what it's supposed to do. The focus here is on the soil. Jesus goes into great depth talking about soils. Matter of fact, he gives us four different types. And he tells us that all four of these types of soil are going to produce different things. Some of them won't produce anything. The, the, the seeds are just going to be there. The birds are going to take them and snatch them away. And, and all it's going to be is food for the, for the wildlife, basically. The other ones are going to spring up fast. Some are going to get choked out. Some are going to grow. What we need to focus on in, in this ministry is the ministry that Christ has given to us. He goes into all of this detail about the soil and what the soil means is and what it represents is the heart of the person who the seed is being sown to. Jesus does tell us what the seed represents. It represents the message of the kingdom. And as the message is preached or sown into the crowd or into the place wherever this place might be, The seed goes out, and it either lands on good soil or it lands on bad soil. It's one or the other. It's either going to grow or it's not going to grow. It's just one of two ways. But Paul comes to us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 5, and we're not going to flip over there, but Paul comes to us and he commands us, our young Timothy, he said, Timothy, I want you to do the work of of an evangelist. He was telling Timothy, I want you, Timothy, to spread the seed of the gospel. I want you to preach the word. I want you to do what you have been called to do. And this follows the same theme that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 when he gave us the Great Commission. These are the words that Jesus said in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. He said, I want you to go and make disciples. Is that not what he said? Go and make disciples. We think in our culture today that we're supposed to make converts, get people to confess Jesus, get people to be saved, get people to sign our membership roles. That kind of stuff is not in the Bible. That's not what Jesus... Jesus didn't tell us to do any of that. He said, before He left to go back to heaven, He said, I want you to go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. So without saying all the exact words that I'm telling you today, Jesus is basically saying, I want you to instruct people about the gospel. He said, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Jesus is the good news. He is the gospel. And everything that he taught his disciples were the things that he wanted his disciples to tell other people about, right? So as you're telling these other people to obey the things that I've commanded you, you're going to tell them about me. Therefore, when you tell them about me, you're planting the seeds of the gospel. When you plant the seeds of the gospel, if it lands on good soil, they are going to become disciples of Christ. 
It is a repetitive thing that just happens over and over and over. And this is what Jesus is trying to get them to see. So when you say, go tell the gospel, preach the gospel, sow the seed of the gospel, what is the gospel? Because a lot of people stand up and they say that. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to teach the gospel. And then people just like you sit out there in the crowd and they say, well, what's that? What's that about? How do I do that? Brother John's been teaching that in his class on Sunday mornings, and it's just about altar work, but all he's teaching you is the gospel. That's all that it is. It's so that you can share it with someone else so that they can move on in their faith with Jesus Christ. The seed that is sown by the evangelist is the message of the kingdom. That's the message that changes lives. Again, it's not about how talented you are as a speaker. You don't have to be a preacher that stands on a stage and preaches. You don't have to be someone that stands out in a parking lot across from Walmart and, and shout into a, into a speaker microphone and share something across the parking lot, sharing the gospel that way. You don't have to be a street evangelist. It really has nothing to do with how long a person has been living for Christ. It has nothing to do with how talented you are. The gospel message doesn't change no matter who shares it. And it doesn't make any difference if it's a child like Chandler who's seven years old that walks up to someone and says, I gave my heart to Jesus. And him planting that little seed makes, makes Big Mike here say, I wonder what that means. Big Mike says, what does it mean somebody to give their heart to Jesus? And the seed begins to grow. You see, it doesn't make any difference who drops the seed. What matters is the soul. So what about your soul today? Some of your soul, the, the seed falls on it, and it just rolls off. It's as hard as this stage. Some of you, you're so bound up with cares of this world, you're so bound up with Instagram like these girls over here are, that they can't even hear the seed being sown. She's just happy and laughing because whatever's on her phone, she's just excited about it. And you... The seed's sown and it just bounces off. Put it out. Put it on Facebook. Tell them that you're doing it. Tell them where you're at. So that they can know. But you sow the seed and it just bounces off. Some of them, the cares of this world, you're so tied up, your mind's thinking about how many sales you're going to make this week. You're thinking about where you're going to be for lunch. You're worried about if the saints are going to win. Some of you are worried about next weekend when Bama comes to town and LSU plays. Some of you are still thinking about a seven-hour-long World Series game that was played the other night. And the seed is sown and it's choked out by the cares of the world. So as the seed is sown today, what matters is whether or not you're ready to accept it or not. That's all that matters. And if you'll just give the seed a chance, it can change everything. And it's very, very simple. So the gospel, what is it? I'm going to share just a few things with you very quickly about what the gospel is. We're going to see if it makes sense to you. Isaiah 55, 11 said this. Basically, he said, So it is with my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Or it won't come back void. It says that it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I have sent. The point of what I'm about to share with you 
is that no matter how many of you choose to listen to what's being said today, what God intended for this message today as He gave it to me and as I I studied on it this week, what God intended for it, it's going to happen. Whether it's only one of you here today that will receive the message, and you'll hear the call of God on your life, and you'll answer it. Everything that I studied for, every, every song that was sung today, prayers that were prayed before we got here, it was all worth it. All the toil, all the, all the preparation of the soil, it was all worth it if one of you received the seed that's sown this morning. And Isaiah made it very clear when God told him, my word's going to come back and it's going to accomplish exactly what I, want it to, what I want it to do. Before you can hear the good news of the gospel, you have to first understand the bad news of the gospel. The gospel is not all good, because there is some bad. If there was not any bad, you couldn't have the good. The bad news is this, Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin means that we have missed the mark. It means that there's this position out here that God says, here is my perfect standard that I want you to to live up to, but the fact of the matter is, is that you simply are not good enough, and because you are not good enough, you are going to burn in hell. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It was all because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. It wasn't your fault. It's Adam and Eve's disobedience. That's the reason that the, this, this, this curse is on everyone. Every part of us has been corrupted by sin. Our mind, our emotion, our flesh, everything about us has been affected by sin. That's why we bend towards sin like a plant bends towards the sun. Sin is what it attracts us as human beings. It's part of what's inside of us when we are born. And those of you that are holding little babies today, I know that you think they are the greatest thing in the world, but they are evil. They're evil. There's demons in sin. I'm kidding. But they, they, are, they are wretched human beings apart from Jesus Christ. Right? And, and right now, yeah, that little baby, that baby dies... You know what? That baby's going to go out into eternity and know Jesus Christ. It's going to be welcomed into the arms of Jesus Christ. But when that child comes to a place to where they have to make a decision for Christ, it's up to them, not you, mama. It's up to them. They have to know. And the reason that they have to make that change is because they must accept what Jesus did for them. Just like you have to do as well. You know, just just because you had your baby sprinkled as a baby didn't save them. I know that's, that's, uh, that's not what a lot of people want to tell you. But that's, that doesn't save your baby. Okay? No pope, no priest, no anybody dumping oil or water on that baby saved that baby. That baby has to come to a place of understanding Jesus Christ. They have to come to an understanding and accept Him as Lord and Savior. Okay? Now, that, that's after the age of accountability. That child will come to know that. You don't know it, I don't know it, but they are going to know it, all right? So the bad part is, is that we are all sinners. The other part of it is that there is a penalty of sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. What is a wage? 
A wage is money that you are paid for work or service that you do. You go Think of it like this. A wage is what you deserve. It is what you earn. All this week, all the work that you did at your job, wherever it might be, the, the wage that you get, that paycheck once a month or once every two weeks, whatever it is, that is a wage that you earn. It is something that you deserve. What the Bible is saying and what Paul wrote in Romans 6 is that there is a wage. There is something that you earn for being a sinner, for being someone who is not willing to accept Jesus Christ. You earn a wage and you can guarantee it that that wage will be paid to you. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and renounce that sinful lifestyle, turn your life away from that and start following after Jesus, you will be paid the wage that is rightfully yours. But if you move on in the scriptures, it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Who has given the gift? Anybody that asks for it. It is a free gift, not an earned gift. It's a gift that you must ask for, and He gives it to you. You believe in Jesus Christ? You believe that God sent Him to this earth? Do you believe that He died and went into the grave? Three days later, He rose again? Do you believe that? Do you believe that He is still the man in charge? Do you believe that He's at the right hand of God, waiting for Him to be told, Go get my church. Do you believe that? That's great. So does the devil. The devil does too. The difference between a Christian and the devil is that you have to confess Christ as your Lord. You confess Him as your Lord. Confess Him as your Savior. When you confess Him as your Lord and you take Him into your life and you start following after Him, your life changes. There's a difference in just believing something and confessing something. You can believe something and never tell anybody about it. But if you confess it, you have to let it known, be known. You follow? So the thing is, is that there is a penalty for your sin. Christ died for you guys, and you need to understand that. Romans 5 and 8, this is the good news. God demonstrated His love toward us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though you weren't worth dying for, according to the world's standards of you, God said they are worth dying for, they are worth saving, and I'm going to send Jesus Christ to pay the penalty. Even though you deserve the wage that you were working for, the death penalty for your sin, Jesus took that penalty. He died in your place, and three days later, He rose from the grave, proving that it is His power over physical death that saves you from the spiritual death. And if there has ever been anyone who has the ability to save, it is someone who was once dead and under his own power rose from the grave. That is Jesus. That's the power of God in Christ. Who he wants to give to you. And he wants to make alive in your life today. Ephesians chapter 2. You can be saved through faith in Christ Jesus. Verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not by works, friends. Not by works. So that no one can boast. We can depend on Jesus to forgive us. You can depend on Him. So what are the effects of sowing this seed? The, the little things that I just gave you, those scriptures, that is a quick way of sharing the gospel right there. It's just real quick. I didn't go into much detail. But letting you know that you were lost, you were undone, you were a sinner, 
And you were going to die and go to hell if you didn't accept Christ and if you didn't confess Him. Jesus comes, dies, He pays the penalty. You owed a debt that you could not pay. Christ came and paid the debt for you that He did not owe. And He swapped places with you so that you could have a life eternal with Him in heaven. Right? So you take that, you take that gospel, that seed of the message of the kingdom, and you begin to sow it, and you share it. And you say, oh, Brother Joy, I can't remember scriptures like that. I can't remember all that. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Do you remember the day that Jesus changed you? We remember other events in our life. We remember all kinds of things. Are I shared that with you. About when I held the deer head up here, the horns, I held it up, and I told you all the details about it. Why? Because I was there. I shot the deer. The fish that I showed you, I caught the fish. I remember everything about it. And you know what? You remember the good things that happened in your life as well. And if Jesus Christ saved your soul from the pits of the devil's hell, you remember that. And that's the seed of the gospel that has been planted in your life. And those are the fruits that you're supposed to be sharing with other people. You see, guys, this was a very quick example of the gospel. And there are many people that try to pride themselves in how fast they can share the gospel. But let me tell you this. Even after you have made it to heaven, you're still going to be learning what the gospel is. We are only scratching the surface of what it's about. Whenever we get to heaven and Jesus begins to unfold all these things, it's going to take a thousand years for Him to explain John 3.16 to you. Because we still don't understand why. We don't know why, but He wants to explain it to us. Consider the seed that's sown. It doesn't take long to toss the seed from our hands until it touches the ground. And in the same way, it doesn't take long for you to share the gospel with somebody. It doesn't take long for you to open your mouth and tell someone the story that happened in your, t- in your life. But it takes some time for the seed to sprout, doesn't it? Think about it. Whenever we have this seed and we sow this seed and it goes out there into the ground, this seed hits the ground and it begins to germinate. As the seed grows, the evidence of someone has sown this seed is very evident. After a certain period of time, the growth of the seed leads to the bearing of fruit. Fruit produces more seed. And as I shared with you earlier, just like the oak tree out here, it's going to drop seeds just because it can't help it. And as that seed is planted in your life and it grows and it matures, you're going to start bearing seeds and producing seed and there's nothing that you're going to be able to do about it. Spreading the seed of the gospel is just the beginning of what will happen in someone's life who hears and receives the message. In Matthew 13, I believe this is what Jesus said, and I quote, Those seeds that hit the good ground, they germinated, in other words. They they produced fruit. He said some produced a hundred. A hundred times, some produced 60 times, some produced 30 times what was sown. In other words, one seed went into the ground, that seed died, and it grew other seeds. It grew other fruit. And so, Jesus was saying that, man, I can, we throw out this one seed and it, it produces a whole bunch more fruit. It just, it's just amazing how it is. And I, I did some, uh, some, a little bit of investigating on this. And I know there's some of you farmers in here that know way more about this than I do. But they, on, on, estim, on estimate, when you plant a kernel of corn, you put it in the ground, and it, and it germinates and it sprouts up and a, a stalk comes up, there will be an ear of corn. There might be two ears of corn. Some might, I don't know how many. They might have three. I don't know. But usually I think about two. Is that right, about two ears? There's one on a stalk. So one comes out. They say that it is estimated 
that any ear of corn, it will produce between 500 and 1,500 kernels of corn on that ear. They average that there will be about 800 kernels of corn on one ear of corn. That come from some smart farmer online, somebody, some college somewhere. So whatever, it doesn't matter. If it's, just, just say on the low side, if it was 500 kernels of corn, is that, is that a bang for your buck? If you plant one kernel of corn, it grows up, and then it produces an ear of corn that has 500 kernels on it. Has it, has it, made, a, has it made a crop? It made a crop. You think about that. You, you say, well, I, I plant, I do one little thing, and it just comes and it grows and it changes everything. Little old, little old Chandler says, hey, Mike, I gave my heart to Jesus. And Mike gets saved over it. You think little old Chandler's testimony was worth it? I think it was worth it. And it produced some 100, some 60, some 30. You know what? Guys, you might not ever produce the amount of fruit that I produce. I may not be able to produce the amount of fruit that you produce. That doesn't matter. Jesus is not concerned about whether you're 100 or 60 or 30. He don't care. He just says that a Christian, a born-again child of God, a disciple of Christ, will bear fruit. They're going to bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, I told you last week, there's one of two reasons why you're not. You're either a young, a young seed that's just been planted in the ground. You're a young Christian who has just come to Christ. And that young Christian who has just come to Christ, they're a tree that's just been planted in the ground. You can't expect pears to come off of a pear tree when you planted it that year. There's time. A young Christian, they're going to start producing. You might see a leaf. You'll see a sprout. You'll see something that shows that they're growing. So you're either a young Christian or you're not a Christian at all. That's the bottom line with bearing fruit and you being a Christian. You're either bearing fruit or you're not. You're either a young Christian or you're not a Christian at all. Are you bearing fruit? Jesus is not concerned about how much you're bearing. Some people are going to pick the seed up and they're going to run and they're going to be wide open in this gospel thing. They're going to be like, man, this is what I was born to do. Some of them are going to be like, it's going to take me a little more time, Brother Joey. It's a little more time. You know, one-on-one with somebody, I might be able to talk to my, my baby boy or my, my daughter. I might be able to talk to my husband or my wife. I might be able to talk to somebody in the grocery store one-on-one. But you know, I'm just not ready to run wide open yet. It doesn't matter. But you'll bear fruit wherever you are. You'll bear fruit. Does that mean I'm a, I'm a Jesus freak running around my Bible shoving it down people's faces? No. No. But just the simple things that you do, the little things that show that you're different than the world, it begins to plant seeds. And those seeds begin to make the difference in people's lives. John 12 and 2, the gospel, like I said, is the beginning. Jesus said this, Verily, truly, I tell you that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus was talking about himself. This is where it all comes down to fruition. Jesus was talking about sowing seeds. And the whole time that he was here on this earth, he was sowing the seed of himself. He was sowing the seed of himself. He knew that the day was going to come when the kernel of Jesus Christ was going to be planted. Where would it be planted? In a grave. He would be planted in a grave. He would die. But because he was willing to die, three days later he sprouted. Three days later he came up out of the ground. And because he was willing to die, many, many, many will come to salvation. His harvest will be there. 
Regardless of whether or not you're in that harvest or not, He wants you there. But regardless if you're there or not, it makes no difference. Christ will have a harvest. People are going to come to salvation. They're going to come to know Jesus because He was willing to give of Himself. And the same thing happens with you and I. If we're willing to give of ourselves and take ourselves, take our little seed, and as Paul says, die daily so that someone else can know Jesus Christ, we will produce a crop and there will be a harvest. People say all the time, they say, how, how, can, I, how can I share the gospel? How do, I, how do I do this, Brother Joe? How do I sow seed? As our musicians come, I'm going to close. But how do, I, how do I do this thing? There was a story told of a man uh, he's just a pedestrian in Los Angeles, California. He's walking across a busy intersection. And this busy intersection stands, uh, the way he describes it, a really big policeman. This policeman stands there. He's got his full armor, you know, not armor, but his uniform, got his belt on, got his gun, his mace or pepper spray and handcuffs and billy club. And his story said that he's got these uh, man with no eye sunglasses. You know those, those ones that the state troopers would always wear back on chips? You remember the movie, the show? So you stare at them, looks like they don't have any eyes, they're just mirrors. He said this guy, he, he describes this guy to a T, and he's just a big guy. And he said, I'm about to cross the intersection, and something tells me, share Jesus with this man. And immediately, immediately he starts talking himself out of it. He says, I've got 45 seconds to cross the road. The, things, the lights are going to change and cars are going to start coming through there. And something told him, stand beside him. They haven't ran over him yet. And so he's like, this can't be right. Is this? And then he says, is, is this me talking to myself or is it something else? The voice comes back and he's like, well, the devil's not going to tell you to do it. So he convinces himself that it is indeed the Lord dealing with his heart, prompting him to talk to the state troop or talk to his police officer about Jesus. So the light turns, says walk. He walks across there. He said, I'll walk up to him and I'm looking up at him like this. And he says, excuse me, sir, but do you know that Jesus died for your sins? And he said that state, that uh, policeman looks at him. He said it was complete silence there for a moment. People are walking by us. Traffic's going by. He said, I've been thinking about that all day. He said, how did you know that? He said, I don't know, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that Jesus loves you and He died for your sins. That guy planted a seed just that fast. It's just your story. That's all that it is. We say, man, Brother Joey, I'm not an evangelist. I can't do what you do. You don't have to do what I do. God didn't call you to do what I did. When I first started preaching, this is what I said to myself. Well, Brother John preached this message and he got a lot of amens out of it. Brother Moden preached this message and he got a lot of amens. Brother Vernon Weindorf preached these messages and he got a lot of amens out of it. I'll preach those messages and I'll get some amens out of them. And I didn't get them. And there was one Sunday I'll never forget. I left church and I said, God, I don't know why. What's wrong? What, what is the deal? And it was like I'm talking to you right now. And it was as if the Lord said, I didn't call you to be John or Bill or Vernon. I called you to be Joey. And you need to understand today that God is not calling you to be anybody but you. He didn't save you to be me. He saved you to be you. He saved you to sow your seed. And for us as a church, 
to be effective in the world that we live in, for our community to be changed, the only way it can be changed is if you sow the seed that God's given you to sow, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The sower doesn't matter. He doesn't care if you're a little seven-year-old boy that gives his heart to Jesus. He don't care if you're an 83-year-old pastor. He don't care who you are. He's already given you the seed. The seed is good. Just give it a chance. Today, all that you're being asked to do is throw some seed. Throw some seed. How will I do that? I don't know. Maybe you'll go to a restaurant here in a minute and you'll have this waitress who's got smeared mascara on. She's crying about something and you don't know. And she's going to run your debit card. You're going to leave her a tip. She's going to give you a pen. And all you have to do is write on there. Don't know what's wrong, but I know Jesus loves you. You just sow the seed. It's up to her to do whatever with it. She might say, who's Jesus? Will she take it and investigate that? Will it go a little further? I don't know, but I do know that when a seed is planted in the ground, it's covered over with soil. The seed puts a root down and it puts a sprout up. It begins to work and it begins to change. And if you are willing to plant a seed, God's willing to change it. And He'll make it work. You've got to be willing to drop some seed. My question to you as a church today, are you willing to drop a seed? You have it. Why don't you drop it? Okay? Father, we love you. And we thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. Even though we don't call ourselves evangelists per se, like Billy Graham was, or like a traveling preacher, we are evangelists because we are spreading the gospel. We're sharing it. So God, I ask you, Lord, today that you'll help us to understand that this evangelizing thing is what you called us to do. You called us to go and make disciples. And I pray, God, that we will do what you called us to do. Church, a lot of us have this idea that we have been put on this earth to praise God. And that's not right. Do we praise God? We do praise God. But you know, whenever you go to heaven, there's going to be a lot of time to figure out how to do that right. We'll have time to praise God. He didn't call us to Christianity to praise God. A lot of people think, well, I, I'm here on this earth to, to live a righteous life. Well, how's that working out for you? We are called to righteousness. We are called to seek after the righteousness of God. But one, the, one, the day that we are going to be made righteous and holy and perfect is the day that we enter into heaven. We'll have a lot of time to live that righteous life. I'm not denouncing or saying that you shouldn't live a righteous life. But there's one thing that God has called us to do here. 
that we'll never be able to do anywhere else. And that's to sow seed. That's what He's called you here to do. My question to you again, before we have prayer around this altar, is are you willing to sow it? Are you willing to drop some seed? If you'll give Christ a chance, He'll make a difference in somebody else's life because of you. Amen? Let's stand. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Some